This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. It's Wednesday. We're changing your life at the Q&A podcast here with incredible music from the 90s. Brianne, I just want to, I wanted to tell you something. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, you don't know who I am if you're new to this. My name is Pastor Michael, and I am here in the studio with my wife, Brianne. Pastor Tim, he is on a hiatus for the week, and uh, we're just filling in his shoes. But we got a ton of questions about counseling. I thought this was a really good one. It's a little, It's a little vague, but I feel like... So many people in our audience are going to be able to relate to this. The question is, why doesn't God rid me of fear and stress? So I'm just empathizing with this person for a moment. And their life is hard and they want God to fix them, right? I got this problem. God, you're my genie. Jump in, fix this thing. And if God doesn't fix the hard thing, Oftentimes, the response is anger. You did not meet my expectations. I really believe, actually, I'm not saying this person has this, but I really believe that many, many people ask a similar question to this because they have a fundamentally flawed God view that God is a genie and they have misunderstood this fundamental principle of being a follower of Christ, that God calls us into suffering and not necessarily away from suffering. Mm. That for the Jewish people under the old covenant, God called them into prosperity to bring a nation together if they would obey him to prepare for the culture in the context of a savior. But God didn't call Israel to a place of suffering. The church is now bringing people into the kingdom of God and the church is now called into suffering. Um, The two covenants are very different. One is a promise. If you follow me, I will bless you as a nation. And the second new covenant here, not the second new, the second covenant, the new covenant is a promise of if you follow me, your life will be hard. Um, Bring me glory by, by how you suffer and believe in me despite what I have not taken away from you. Very different. So, why doesn't God do this? I just wanted to build that foundation because um, I do, I am afraid, I am concerned that the person asking does have a genie concept of who God is. Yeah. Um, so how would you, you're sitting in a counseling session with somebody and they come to you and they say, I'm frustrated with God. Um, I, I, I didn't choose this stress. I didn't choose this fear. And, and we know that some people, some kids just come out anxious and fearful. Like they didn't choose it. Right. They don't grow up with a fearful, or anxious mom and dad. It's almost like it's just in their, in their blood and they're mad. They're like, I didn't want this. Mm-hmm. Where do you start with them? And then how do you walk someone through this process? So I think that that's a great question. I think that it's a common experience. So I'm excited to answer this question and, and kind of dissect this. The question asker had a little bit more to the question also. Started off saying, why doesn't God rid me of fear and stress? But then they went on to explain that if I feel anxious and overwhelmed, am I just not putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace properly? And so we had those kind of two indicator words too. So we have, so really there's four concepts here, fear, stress, anxious, and overwhelmed. And I believe that those both have a parallel relationship. I believe that fear is what fuels anxiety and stress is what fuels the feeling of being overwhelmed. And so, again, just break it down to those two different categories. We're left with, like she said, kind of the fear and stress being the basis of those two feelings that come out of that. Yep. Which which can either – like if you have a natural propensity to those, mm-hmm. you can definitely feed those propensities and grow mm-hmm. them. 
And and if you're somebody who's born to this world who's just naturally fearful, like you're just a reticent person, mm -hmm. the command for you to be courageous is enormous because if you don't fight those propensities, they right. will take over. So I think one aspect that's also helpful to consider is, yes, certain people have these natural propensities towards fear and towards stress, but then there's also actions and choices that we make in our life that add to that or create that maybe was never there before. I think sometimes the answer to why doesn't God rid me of fear and stress would be because sometimes we are actually inviting those responses by the choices that we're making. It's like saying, get rid of this intruder and then inviting three other to come in the back door. Absolutely. It's and like, so uh... whether it's fear and we're making choices that maybe set us up to actually be in legitimate or illegitimate, actually fearful situations. Or if it's stress and we're actually adding things to our plate that have no part being a part of our plate. Take the stress off me. Oh, sure. I'll do that. So I think. <laughs> like, come on. Right. And so a lot of that is choice oriented. Yep. And I think a lot of times we don't see that. We we miss that part because we feel like, well, I have to do that or I have to do this. Yep. Or the fears have become so n normalized in the way that we think that we can't even really identify them anymore. Yep. That's just one aspect I think that is very important to consider is why won't God rid me of this? Well, because maybe you're continually inviting it and he wants you to experience the consequences of making choices that don't honor him to be able to say, no, that's actually no part of who I've created you to be and that needs to be gone. Or maybe that is part of who I've created you to be. Maybe it is what I want you to be doing, but you're actually seeking to do it of your own strength and not of the strength that I provide. And that's a big difference and a big lesson. And so- I think I could continue kind of down that road and kind of give you 74 more examples of what that could look like. But those are just kind of, I think, some of the typical ones of why doesn't God rid me of this? Well, because he's letting you understand that you're propelling yourself and your choices towards something um, that is dangerous. And so your body is sending up these signal flags of being overwhelmed and being anxious. And they're signal flags that are yep. meant to, de to be developed to keep you safe and to point back to those actions or back to those choices and say, stop. And if God just fixed it, you would continue to redo it again. Right. If you have a drug addict, you know, and you just, you force them into detox. Okay. As soon as they get out, if you don't teach them how to live in new habits and new patterns, and sometimes until you get exposed, right, you're just going to keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said is really, really important. I would just love our audience to kind of like, remember this, that there are emotions and experiences that are markers. If you're stressed, that is your body's way of saying something is not okay. Absolutely. God has so beautifully created our body to give us signs and signals of stress that we culturally and personally brush off and we accept or we look at it as, oh, I have this kind of physical problem stressed, or that kind of physical problem. I'm therefore I'm busy, therefore I'm important, you know, or, oh, yeah. you know, there's all these weird justifications or that's not that big of a deal. Meanwhile, your body is saying, well, it actually, is a big deal. it is a big deal. I am actually telling you and showing you that even if you don't care that it's a big deal, your body feels the weight of it as a big deal. Mm -hmm. And that is something that needs to be listened to and honored. And um, our bodies see. are communicating. I'm hungry. You're tired. Mm -hmm. You need to eat. You need to go to bed. You need this. You need that. Mm -hmm. You're stressed. Like all of these are communication tools. You're in pain. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong. It, it really is an amazing thing that God has done. We are constantly interacting with our body and our body is communicating. And then our mind has to make the decisions that are correct to give the body what it needs right. or to take away the things that are causing harm. Right. People tend to feel stress, for example, in their head, their heart or their stomach. 
if we just try to take away and alleviate, let's just go with the head for a second, the headache that comes from being stressed and we just try to take the ibuprofen or the, you know, migraine medicine. And I'm not saying all migraines are caused by stress, mind you, but like often they are. And if we try to alleviate and put a Band-Aid to take away what the experience of what that is without fixing the root problem, we rob ourselves and we don't honor the fact that God has created us inside of a body that actually can also give us signals to what that looks like yep. and to, to honor that yep. and to change our behavior, therefore, because of that. One of the things that I think people don't realize is that they'll say, well, God never told me. Well, God has wired a mechanism of communication into your body to tell you you're stressed. Mm -hmm. And God is actually, I'm not saying that God is like using our body as a voice, but he is wired into the rhythm of our body, a communication that originated with him. Mm -hmm. And so God is communicating when things aren't okay. When right. you are afraid, he's saying, I'm not okay with this. This is not the way you're supposed to function. Something mm -hmm. is wrong. And so just for the person to understand that God is making known to them the problem. Mm -hmm. And he has also made known to us in his word and sometimes through science solutions to some of these physical manifestations that we're having or these physical red flags. It really is amazing. We live in a time and age where if I'm living in fear, there are so many resources at our fingertips that we could access to take initial steps to overcoming it yep. that we choose not to. I think sometimes because, you know, the mechanism is from God and at the same time, uh, like fear, for example, sometimes I imagine it as if it has its own consciousness mm -hmm. and it's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to preserve myself. So like my brain is struggling because my brain's like, okay, red flag. But then fear is like, don't kill me. You know, without me, this isn't going to work. And fear does whatever it can to, whatever it can do to stay alive. And there's this, there is a legit battle, but the Christian's mind uh, is able with intentionality to discern what is the red flag? What are the lies of fear? Yeah. And to take next steps. That That's where the Christian has to give themselves much more credit. You are not a slave to the lies of fear. Mm -hmm. And God has gifted you with the ability to know when it's coming up. Now you have to figure out what are those next steps mm -hmm. and take them. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, so just as like one short little caveat is to say that sometimes in anxiety and even stress, are, you know, there is a potential brain chemical component that can just go haywire and send us these signals and misfire yep. um, when there is nothing there. But by and large, the audience that we're speaking to, that is not the common part of the problem. Yep. And I think too, we talked yesterday about habitual sin. A lot of times I believe that that habitual sin is rising and causing our fear and anxiety to kind of sit on the edge and to rise up. And we don't even relate it back to that that the Lord is trying to say, you know what? No, you don't have energy to put towards this or that or this or that because I'm trying to draw your attention back to the fact that your energy needs to be being dealt and put into that category to overcome that before you can then therefore handle this yep. with grace. So is it fair to say the reason God doesn't take it away is because maybe he has greater purposes in it? There's value, God knows this, in allowing us to figure this stuff out and making really good decisions God doesn't take it away from us because he's already given us all the tools that we need to actually overcome it in a measurable, systematic way. Mm -hmm. It's like my kid having a messy bedroom, you know, and they come up to me and say, well, why didn't you clean it for me? Well, I've taught you how to clean. You have food. You have everything you need. And if you need help, I'll show you how to do it. And sometimes and we they're go like, and we well, help do it for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes we go and we help the children clean that because it's so overwhelming and they need an intervention. And I think that's exactly yeah. what the Lord does a lot of times too. Sometimes he takes, he steps in and he'll take that from someone. Yep. But sometimes he wants them to walk a path 
to own it and to overcome it. And I think when we look at what that what that looks like and why he doesn't sometimes rid that is because he offers himself in the middle of that. And to me, that is the answer yep. is that he says, well, no, even in the middle of this fear and the stress, I'm here and I offer you peace. And yep. so the second part of this question was, am I just not putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace properly? And I think one of the things sometimes to, one of the things we have to consider is, is yes. And so we just finished an entire Bible study on the armor of God, which was fabulous. And one of the aspects of the shoes of peace is that they were very much like cleats. You know, they had like those large cleaty things, cleaty things yeah. um, <laughs> that would dig into the ground We're to be able athletes. to help them to stand, to stand firm. <laughs> and so um, it made them more movable. It made them able to advance, um, to gain ground, no matter what the ground would, was, and to, to hold that traction. And so one of the things that I loved as we looked at the Shoes of Peace and what they afford and what they offer us is that they allow us to be able to gain ground and to stand firm in the midst of whatever it is that's trying to wash us over and to move us backwards. But they also, through that study, showed us continually that peace is not something that we have to earn or look for or find. It is actually one of the benefits of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that peace is already ours to be able to tap into and to Mm -hmm. access, but it is something that as a discipline and as something we have to pursue. There's no behavior or choices that we have to make in order to be worthy of the Lord to be able to give us peace. Although he continually says many times, hey, think on these things, and then the peace of Christ is going to rule in your hearts. Hey, do this, and then the peace of Christ is going to come. It's like you... You and I own our home, right? Well, we're still paying it off, but we it's in our name. <laughs> and it's like you saying, oh, I just wish I had a home. And you're sleeping outside on the front porch of the home. And I'm like, mm-hmm. come inside. It's yours. Mm-hmm. It's all yours. You have the key. It's Even if you didn't, it's unlocked. Come on in. Mm-hmm. Everything you want, you already have. Mm-hmm. You just need to figure out how to get in that door. Right. And we have to harness the skill to be able to obtain that and to be able to use it. I imagine this person saying... Oh, oh, oh my gosh, what if I'm like the fearful person, right? Uh, what if I'm not putting in the shoes of peace, right? Oh, I'm so stressed. I don't even know how to go about this. Like mm-hmm. even the question that they're asking could be, depending on the severity of their struggle, could just add to their fear and add to their stress. And the hard part is I think what, you're, what you want to do and what I want to do is enter into that and say, you don't have to be afraid that you're not doing it right. You just need to step back for a moment, address this see it for what it is, get some people around you, help you figure it out, and then do the things that God asks of you. Sometimes I think people, when they realize that they're not doing it right, they freak out. They get more fearful. They get more stressful. The burden of overcoming this overtakes them. Mm -hmm. I just want to say, like, get some help. Like, talk to people. And I think additionally to that, like, that's the whole point of Jesus is that he's able to enter into those situations. And Mm -hmm. he's the one that does this work for us. He's the one who afforded us and bought the peace for us to be able mm-hmm. to have. And so there's nothing that we have to do to be yep. able to do that. It's ours. It is ours and it's ours for the taking. And there are different things that he says that we need to do to be able to pursue that. One of them is controlling our thoughts. That's a huge part of it. He tells us, you know, like you need to think on these things. You need to be able to do this so that the peace may dwell in your hearts. And so the um, mind that spirals downward is actually feeding the fear. It's like walking away from the house instead of to the house. Right. Absolutely. So I think it's our opportunity to walk into that house, to make it our home, and to reside there within the protection that the Lord has given to us Mm. and the things that he has offered to us. And so as the question asker alluded to, one of those things is the gospel of peace and and the shoes that are part of the armor of God. I think looking at the whole armor of God and the way that the pieces intricately connect is super important for someone who struggles with fear and stress because there are so many different components and parts to that that speak to so many of these different 
struggles that we have. And that's one of the tools that the Lord has given to us to learn how to use so that we can overcome these different issues. So I think the armor of God is is so on par, and that's why it was created or given to us to be able to address these. And I think another aspect of it also, we look at Philippians 4, and we look at what we're being told at the end of that book has so much to do also with the fear and the stress. And he gives us so many very valuable, very important pointers. And so what he starts off by saying is he says, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> I love this, but he goes, and I'm going to say it again. He says, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. And so we look at that and we see, okay, well, why doesn't God take this away from me? Why doesn't he just rid this from me and get on with something else in my life? And his answer in some ways is, well, the Lord is near. Like he is with you in those moments and he is ready to be near and give you everything that you need in those moments to let you know him more, to let you know how big he is. And so sometimes we think, oh, we'd see how awesome you were, Lord, if you just took this away from me. And sometimes his answer is, well, no, actually, I want to meet you there and show you how big I am by being there with you mm-hmm. and walking through that with you. And so he goes on and says, one of the things, the greatest things that we can do, right, is to, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, right, which is exactly the peace that all of us are looking for in those moments of anxiety and feeling overwhelmed, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about what the things are that we're supposed to be thinking about. Excellent, praiseworthy, right, pure. And he says, whatever you've learned and received from me, put into practice. That's our pursuit. Our pursuit is to be able to say, Lord, I know that you are near to me. I know that you are with me in these moments. And I know that sometimes your perspective on my life is way bigger and deeper and harder than just getting rid of something for me, but walking me through it and making me know you more Mm. and changing me in the midst of that. So sometimes he doesn't want to just fix you. He wants to be with you. Mm -hmm. Yep. If I could give some advice to our listeners, don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. I know that you're going to have it your way or nothing at all, but I think you're moving too fast. Well, now now that we're hearkening back to the 90s, I know that you're a TLC fan. and uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Oh, she's obsessed. Oh, come on. You have a picture in our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I trust people's concept of your sarcasm. Oh, goodness. Okay. I, I've been told that I can be I did confusing. own the tape. Okay. I did own the tape of the single. Uh, there are people listening who are like, what's a tape? I know. Our own children would yeah, say that. They literally would that. Anyways, we want to welcome you guys back tomorrow. And we are just really appreciative, Brian, that you could be with us for these uh, these few days. And we have many, many questions that come in for you. And so excited to have you back. So will you come back again? Yes. She said with confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Join us tomorrow. And we're going to be back in the studio. I believe Pastor Craig is going to be with us. And it's going to be a grand time. Thanks. Thanks.